That was really good. I didn't know you could recite poetry. Mm-hmm. And having perhaps the better claim, because it was grassy and wanted wear. Though as for that, the passing there had warned them really about the same. Yeah, I, I read that. I, I honestly, I read that poem right before uh, each CrossFit session to kind of pump myself up. <laughs> you are in a maze of twisty little passages, all alike. Time to start a fire, crack open a can of tab, and settle in for Founder Quest. So the uh, the the Office Max near my house is closing, and uh, so they, yeah, they have this closing sale. Like you know, everything's like ninety percent off and stuff. Yeah, and we needed some printer paper, so I'm like, you know, there's probably nothing left there, but I'll go and just you know, so there's got to be paper. Like, I mean, who buys all the paper, right? There was no paper. Like yeah. there were, there were some pastels. Like if I wanted pink paper, then I would have been fine. Like there was plenty of that, but like it was bare, like pickings were slim. It was amazing. And it's like, you know, post apocalyptic zombie, you know, attack kind of scenario where you're like, wow, this place just looks. And the zombies eat paper in the scenario. <laughs> Apparently. Yeah. Can I show you guys something talking about big box stores? Yes. Um, so I ordered some, some socks like on Amazon. Let me show you. They're very nice socks. They're, they're stripy socks. They're like I had one pair and I, li- I liked them so much. I ordered a you know variety pack of nice. stripy socks. I'm pretty happy with you know how they look <laughs> and everything. But then then I looked at the actual box they came in and look look what it has written on it. <laughs> what? It says designed by PetSmart. Nice. And I don't know what to think now. Because you know, really, it, were they really designed by the PetSmart? Maybe PetSmart is just like the the moniker of the designer. Maybe like maybe this is uh, someone in another country who doesn't realize that no. PetSmart. Like, it might taken. be like an internet handle or something. Yeah, like PetSmart. <laughs> he's like he's, he's pet smart on irc like on free note or something now star aren't you concerned that you know the horizontal stripes or make your ankles look fat um well you know ben i have very skinny ankles so actually it's it's the opposite oh man so how do you guys want to do this uh thing is this an actual uh, reader question or this listener question it is an actual wow. listener question and i think we've got a couple of these uh, lined up too so well, you know, I should qualify that. I don't know that he was an actual listener listener because he just sent me an email. Oh, he was a listener to the Art of Product podcast. Oh, oh that you okay. were on a while, yeah. like a few weeks ago. Right, yeah. right. And so in my, my interview with Ben, he asked some questions. And so this individual emailed me and said, I hope you don't mind me contacting you, but I have some questions about your startup. Yeah, it's, it's some great questions. Uh, they are great questions. Yeah, so... How do you want to handle these? Should we just like, it's sort of a multi-part question. Should we just read it part by part and then we can uh, jump in and, and give our thoughts or? Oh, why don't you be the narrator? Okay. <laughs> this question comes from Tony Chan at cloudforecast.io. From my point of view of an early stage startup in the dev tool space and bootstrapped, there isn't much good and valuable information on customer acquisition. You know how difficult it is with limited runway when you first start and that on with marketing to developers, it makes it a little bit harder. What do you guys think about? I mean, this is kind of like uh, how we started out, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we market developers, we had very limited runway. I remember like, I, I, I said this before, I totally thought Ben was a baller for paying like $70 a month for our first <laughs> server. Well, the thing I like about what, how Tony starts off his email to us 
is that he's talking about marketing developers specifically, right? So there's a lot of content out there about you need to do this, you need to do that when you're building your SaaS, your marketing and so on. But, uh, you know, marketing developers, that's a pretty specific group of people you're trying to target. And there are definitely things that you can do with developers that you can't do with other groups and vice versa. Uh, like, for example, developers do not like to have their phone ring with sales calls, right? They hate that. So that would not be something you would want to do. But one thing that we found was really helpful in the early, early days when we were just starting was like already being a part of the community. Like we specifically targeted Ruby developers, Ruby on Rails developers, because we are Ruby developers. And so we knew that group of people. We'd been in that group of people for a while. Like we started Honey Badger in 2012. And, you know, I've been doing Rails since 2005. So like we already knew the community. We we're already a part of it. So people knew who we were and, and trusted us and we already had a reputation that was very helpful. Yeah, as a developer, I know how to I know a little bit more about customer acquisition for for developers maybe, but like honestly, like I've never I've never sold a product to uh, non-developers or into a totally different market that I have no idea, you know, like I don't know anything about. Um so yeah, I don't know. Like I think if I was going to start, you know, if I was going to pick a, a brand new market that I didn't really know, I would kind of try to just go into that market and try to become as much of one of them as I could and kind of just like spend a lot of time doing research and reading the books they're reading, um, maybe going to the conferences that they go to and just kind of try to see what they're about first before like deciding which direction I'm going to go. You guys mentioned that uh, a lot of techniques don't work for developers. And I I sort of get this impression that a lot of the marketing techniques that people talk about and stuff are meant for people other than developers. Like, man, if I was going to start a custom like cabinetry shop, I could outmarket the hell out of all the other cabinetry shops in Seattle. I'm, I'm positive <laughs> about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, with developers, it's a little bit tricky, isn't it? Yeah. Like one thing, one tactic that's popular these days is this whole like, uh, email sequence where, hey, I just want to get on your radar. And then you get like five more emails from the person and they're like, you know, you must be trapped under a bus because you haven't responded to me. I know. You know. Do people actually respond to those? They must because they keep on doing it. But like developers don't yeah. respond to that unless not in a positive way. I don't even answer my phone for most people. <laughs> yeah, I hate those because uh, it's like, it's this cold email sequence. People like pull your name off of some sort of like, you know, Domain registry. Oh, pro tip: Don't put your real name and phone number and whatever on your domain. I don't know <laughs> if it's illegal to do that anymore, but you shouldn't do it because you'll get all sorts of, uh, you know, spam calls. Yeah. Well, I think the who yeah. is registries like like don't aren't allowed to show that anymore anyway. Like it's a big yeah, it's a big thing. Yeah, oh, I'm pretty not? sure there was like a law, like a privacy regulation or something that passed at least. Yeah. yeah. So oh, here's a couple other things you shouldn't <laughs> do: register a podcast with your um, actual email address. Because man, you get some podcast spam. Like people really want to get into that podcast of yours and sell you stuff for it. Here's another thing not to do. Uh, don't be scraping websites for email addresses and then email them yeah. your cold emails. That happens all the time still. And so like on Honey Badger in our documentation, I always use character names from The Princess Bride. So it's really clear when we get an email to Inigo at HoneyBadger.io <laughs> how someone acquired that email yeah, address. We've had we a few of those. Oh, oh yeah. my God. So we get, uh, we get emails to like Inigo Montoya. <laughs> yes. Yes, we do. You know, um, That's I saw, I haven't like the other day I saw the first like really brilliant, um, like email scraping, uh, kind of, I guess scheme you'd call it. Uh, so you guys remember request bin, 
that was uh it was you know oh, the, yeah. the service that lets you like record inbound requests and it would it would record them and then show them to you yeah like api requests exactly yeah so you could use it for like testing yeah testing like webhooks or any kind of http request well th- that the company that had originally um had that website had um discontinued it because i think of like scaling like it was getting too much traffic and it was becoming too much overhead for them, them to manage um but the software is open source and there are links to request bin like all over the web um, that are now dead. So I got an email from a guy who, uh, who had set up his own request bin and he was scraping websites for dead links to the old request bin and asking the owners to change the links to his new request bin, basically. Oh, another thing, like I'm sure you can't do this anymore. I haven't checked. I'm sure you can't do it though because it's too big of a, a hole, but you used to be able to get pretty much anybody's email address uh, from GitHub like yeah. from their, their like commits. Like you go in and do some API thing and it would just pop you up their email address. I think people are using that for, uh, like rec- recruiters were using that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think mine's public on yeah, GitHub. So, I, I occasionally get recruiter emails, but it's not like a, a flood. So I'm, I'm noticing something we're like, uh, so, so people are like, how do you approach marketing for developers? And we're like, we just immediately hone in on these like growth hacking, <laughs> like scraping. <laughs> we haven't we done really any do of that, that for the record. No. No. Yeah. yeah. I think, I think the key is, I mean, we've talked about a lot of stuff not to do, but I think the key is if you're a developer and you're, you want to know how to market developers, just look at yourself, look at the things that you like and things you don't like and, and behave accordingly. Like developers like to have quality stuff, out there, right? So if I'm uh, producing open source software, then that builds up some sort of reputation, right? Uh, if I'm out there participating in Reddit or whatever, and I'm commenting and I'm helping people out, that builds up a reputation. And then when I have something that I want to offer to developers, now I'm a known quantity in the community and people are more willing to listen to what I have to say. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think that... Um, the main thing about developers is that um, we are all very uh, suspicious, untrusting people. <laughs> no, I, well, uh, I am. Well, it's it's kind yeah, of it's kind of true, right? Yeah. It's kind of true. We're all we're um, skeptical. Yeah, yeah. People. Are when skeptical. I when I earlier when I said I don't even answer my phone, I meant to qualify. I meant for family members. Oh, <laughs> so personally, I think that like the thing I've seen work most, uh, the thing I've seen work best for developers for marketing has been to just like. You focus on creating value for people, not worrying about getting paid for it um, right away. You know, you see this in these uh, products that are, say, open core, like GitLab. You can go and install GitLab, you get a lot of value from it. And then, you know, eventually they can capture some of that value uh, monetarily when people need to upgrade or maybe they want a hosted version of the same thing. You know, it's a similar thing with, you know, blog posts, tutorials, stuff like that, um, which is one of the things we've done a lot, mm-hmm. which is you basically create this value up front, you give it out. I mean, that's kind yeah. of the ethos of, of open source and the, the community we have. I'm not, I'm not so developers. sure that this is limited just to developers, though, even. And I think like, I don't, I don't know, I feel like more people in the non-developer world are also coming around to this, like, you know, marketing has gotten a lot shadier over the years. And it feels to me a little bit like, like if you're not providing some sort of like, you know, real good upfront value to people, um, like, I don't know, like marketing to me, like, like modern marketing is all about like providing that value basically for free and, and actually giving your audience something. So I don't know, like, I don't, 
I'm, I know it works, yeah. you know, it works, but I wonder how long it's going to work. What, giving people value? No, no, doing it the other way, you know, doing using the shady marketing tactics uh, that, you know, people... So what's an example of a non-developery uh, giving value up front thing? Are we talking about white papers? Are we talking about... I think if you look at uh, people who are doing eBooks, uh, there's a lot of value. If you look at what um, like Nathan Barry does with ConvertKit, like he teaches about what he's learning. And he offers a lot of value to people who aren't customers. I think uh, Brennan Dunn's done the same thing around his info products. It doesn't necessarily have to be a physical thing either. Like it could be, it could be like membership, you know, from a branding perspective, even it could be like membership in a community or a member, you know, like a feeling that people get when they interact with your brand or something like it, it doesn't have to be, you know, it doesn't have to be like a book that you spent, you know, like months writing or something that you just have to give away for free. I feel like. Yeah. So those, like, it's like those, uh, like those Coca-Cola ads they play before the movies, <laughs> you know, cause they, they get a bunch of like people, <laughs> they're all happy looking, they're together, like singing and it just makes you happy, yeah. you know? And like, that's the value they're Except providing. It's Coke, but uh, yeah, I mean, Pepsi is better. Oh, <laughs> dang boy. We're going to have to fight about this. So, so amusing aside, so of course my kids grew up in the Northwest, right? Because that's where we lived for the past 20 years. Uh, but I grew up in the South, the Deep South. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's so it's some, exactly. I mean, yeah. you don't ask, you don't ask for a soda in the South. You ask for a Coke. And uh, so what my kind kids, of Coke like, do you want, Ben? Exactly. <laughs> then they ask you, what kind of Coke do you want? And yeah. or, you, or you have to specify, like, I want a Coke. Give me a Sprite, right? Uh, and so my, my, my son's asking me, we're talking about this the other night at dinner. And my son asked, well, what if you want a Pepsi? And I'm like, no, you don't want a Pepsi. <laughs> You're raising them up right. <laughs> They're like, but, but I'm like, do you know where Coke is headquartered? <laughs> like in the South, you don't get Pepsi. <laughs> Can I have a Pepsi, Paul? What's the matter with you, boy? Like an example, I guess. Here's an example of like... Um, I guess of like providing value because like in both cases, you're going to be giving something away for free. So like we talked about this uh, last week in the marketing episode where we talked about like sponsoring conferences and there's, there's the traditional way you can do it, which is like, you can, you know, get a booth and you could like give away pens or something or, or whatever, um, you know, shirts or mugs and, and talk to people like that's, you know, that's nice, you know, traditional marketing, like people are coming up and talking to you and they're probably having a good interaction, but you could also do what we do, which is like, you know, create, you know, go like get a bus and take everyone somewhere cool and just hang out with them. And there's no real, like, yeah. there's no real, like hard agenda to it, but it's giving them like an experience where they're like hanging out with their friends or making new friends. Um, and they associate that all back with honey badger. Um, and it kind of helps build our community. So that's kind of how I look at it. I mean, you don't even have to have a bus. Yeah, it could uh, be anything. You could just make reservations. Like people could pay for their own dinner. The value that you provide people doesn't have to be right. costly, right? And it definitely definitely doesn't have to be about no. you, right? Yeah. So the value you provide can be just a space where people get together and meet each other and have you a good could time. just like take them on a scavenger hunt throughout the city or something where you're like... This is sounding shady, Josh. <laughs> Or, you know, if you're, if you're a developer and you're building a developer-focused tool, then obviously you are learning things as you build your tool, right? So share those things that you learn. And that's great value that you're providing for basically free, right? You've already got the experience. Might as well just write about it. Should we move on to our next uh, segment of the question? Yes. All right. I'm, I'm still going to be the narrator. Okay. It will be super helpful to break it down. 
with how you guys acquired your first 10 customers, first 50 customers, first 100 customers, um, et cetera. And this makes it more tangible and practical. This is, yeah, well, this is, we're getting serious now. Yeah, this is the real deal. Uh, yeah. You know, well, customer zero is us, right? So I think that's important to remember. Like, uh, it's, it's a lot easier to get customers one through 10 if you can satisfy a need for yourself. If you happen to be part of a group that's interesting, you know, as, as for marketing purposes go. Um, but I think our first 10 customers were all friends. People that we knew, people that we met at MicroConf, or people that we had met through our freelancing work, people who were in the community. And uh, we didn't just give it away, though. We asked them to pay us a dollar a month so that we could test out our billing system, right? And so they had some skin in the game. But the first 10 customers, even though they're paying us very, very little, still gave us great feedback and, and helped us at a time when, frankly, like there wasn't much product there, right? They were, they were giving us the benefit of the doubt. Okay, so that's the first 10. Um, then what about the first 50? Like this, I'm not sure we're going to be able to give like super accurate descriptions because it all kind of blurs together, right? Yeah. I would say like the first 10 are like one thing and then sort of the first 50 and 100 are sort of the same group of people, right? Um, so didn't you, uh, after we uh, did the, like the friends and family sort of group of people, didn't you do a mailing or something? Like, didn't you have a list? Like you were doing Rails kits. Um, yeah, at the I was yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, I was doing a Rails kits. And so I had an audience of people that I was talking to on a somewhat regular basis. And so I emailed them and I said, hey, uh, you know, you've liked my Rails kits thing. Uh, check out this other thing that I'm doing and you might like it. And, you know, it helped that it was an overlapping mm -hmm. audience and that it was relevant to those same customers. Yeah, Rails kits was a, um, you don't do it anymore, right? Right, I sold that business a few years ago. Okay, so it was a, correct me if I'm wrong, it was a, a basically you sold these sort of pre-made Rails apps for like, you know, help desk, uh, or some of the other ones, like a payment process. Yeah, software so, as a service yeah, kit. I said, right, yeah, the SaaS kit. Yeah, so people had something to start with when they built their own, uh, their own application. And that was, mm -hmm. that was, you know, we obviously targeted Rails people when we started out, and so did so did Rails kids. So, how many people were on that list? Do you remember? Like, uh, it's a couple hundred, I think. It wasn't okay. it wasn't huge. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think another thing that we did early on, like those those first ten customers, those friends and family customers, they also told their friends, yeah. right? When they saw that this was actually a good thing, and of course they were rooting for us because they're our friends. Uh, they went and tweeted to their people, and uh, that helped spread it, mm -hmm. right? Basically, as far as I remember, our first um, our first fifty, our first hundred customers just came from word of mouth. It seemed like we kind of launched this thing, right? We got the friends and families in. We got our um, initial sort of customers from your mailing. Maybe it wasn't that many, but then after that, it kind of just sort of fanned out and grew on its own. We weren't doing uh, any sort of paid acquisition. We weren't doing any sort of direct sales. Uh, it just kind of it just kind of started. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we spent zero dollars on marketing for a very long time. When did we? Yeah. Uh, when did we, we do also, Ruby Weekly? Well, it might have been in the first year really? or two. Yeah, but it wasn't okay, definitely yeah. in the first six months. That's for sure. Yeah, so Ruby Weekly is a um, it's one of uh, Peter Cooper's uh, weekly sort of newsletters. He does like a lot of them for a lot of different languages, but Ruby Weekly was the first one, and it just is a, a, a list of links. Things are going on this week in the Ruby community, uh, and and at least back then it was like the central, you know, place to figure out what was going on in, in Ruby and rails. And it, it still, you know, plays a very central role, I think. Right. Yeah. I still read it every week. Another thing, another thing that we did is we designed the app 
the user system in a way that it was easy to spread via word of mouth, right? I, I, I wouldn't say it was necessarily designed with a viral loop because that's, that's not accurate. But uh, we recognized early on that a big segment of our customers would be freelancers who are moving a lot from client to client, right? And also small agencies where uh, you know, it's a small group of developers and we've found that a developer, once he falls in love with the tool, he wants to bring it to his next shop, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Or the client that that developer had, when that client gets another developer, then that developer gets introduced to the product that the the first developer had already set up, right? So it spread a lot that way as well. Yeah, that's a really good point. Like we don't have a viral product, but it's it's definitely um, something that people take with them. They um, learn about when they come to a new job and yeah. stuff like that. A collaborative product yeah. can kind of be viral in and of itself, yeah, exactly. right? Yeah, exactly. I, w- I was looking so, at our emails, um, our old emails, by the way, and I've, I've got emails from Star about Ruby Weekly um, as early as like mid-2013. So there you go. That yeah. sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. So about mm-hmm. a year in, right? Oh, man, you've got all my old emails. I know. I, I haven't Ooh, gone yeah, through the old is. emails yet um, from the early days, and I was just thinking about that the other day. Like, that, that'll be a blast from the past. Dang. I, I'm, uh, I just feel like I can never run for political office now. I know you've said some you've said some pretty inflammatory things over the years, Star, <laughs> to me via to me via email, especially. <laughs> 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 he hasn't. I'm I'm joking. I've got a little bit of a different take on this question, and my take is that we've been discussing what happened for us, and this may or may not be useful for you know you starting your small business. I think the most important thing when you're starting a small business or launching a product, et cetera, is that from the very beginning, like you need to know who your market is. You need to know how you can approach that market and how to talk to them. So basically, if you don't know how to get in touch with 10 or 20 potential customers, like starting out, like you need to like just, you know, record scratch, stop the presses, stop building and figure that out because that's that's a problem that you're going to have to deal with. Uh, like the minute you have your product done, you have to deal with this problem. And it would really suck to build a product. I know a lot of people do this, build a product and find out that, hey, like there's really no way for me to get in touch with my um, target market because, you know, either it doesn't exist or um, the normal channels involve these lengthy enterprise sales processes that we can't afford. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So I think like, like as a business founder and as a um, uh, person on an early product team, like, yeah, that's your job. You got to figure out uh, a product that you can give to a market. Like the market is the thing that you have to, to figure out first. Yeah. You know, I've seen people who uh, on like on Reddit and they're like, you know, how do you, how do you find out what your customers want? And it's like, talk to them. Right. <laughs> and they're like, well, how do I find 10 people to talk to? And it's like, whoa, whoa. Right. If you, if you don't have 10 people you can talk to, then you need to fix that problem first. Yeah, because if you uh, are that out of touch with your um, target market, then your chances are you're going to build something that isn't quite aligned with what they want. And what was this book that talked all about this? Like the whole, like, you've got to have your first customers and you should have them write you checks and stuff. Like, was that Lean Startup? Might have been. I think it's been in a lot of books. Um, and I know like like Rob Walling has talked a lot about that sort of thing, like validating your, you know, validating your market and stuff up front. I'm not sure like any of those books is entirely right, but this idea that, yeah, you've got to know your freaking market ahead of time. 
and you got to know how you can talk to them. Yeah. Like that's a very important. I don't think any business or marketing book is entirely right because it's all, it's different for everyone. And so I think like everyone is like, it's just like what worked for them and it all like just is a way to gain experience and, and kind of figuring out what's going to work for you. I, I think if, if, uh, if you're in a boat where like you, you have this idea and you have a market in mind and you have people that you have an idea you could talk to, uh, but you don't know them yet. Uh, I think it's fine to reach out to people via email and say, Hey, I appreciate your work in X, Y, or Z. Like you should know something about them. Right. And say, I'm thinking about doing this thing. Would that be something that you would find interesting? Right. And, uh, people respond well to that. I mean, if you sent me that email, I would give you, you know, a couple minutes to think about it and I would respond to that email. Um, start building those relationships, I guess, is the point that I'm trying mm -hmm. to make. Like, it's okay to reach out and say, I'm just thinking about this thing, or I'd like some, your, your suggestion on this thing to make it a low effort kind of response, but uh, find those five or 10 people who will respond and then, you know, work from there. Yeah, that's a good point. Like what else can people do to get, really get in touch with their markets? Uh, like we kind of just fell yeah. into it, right? Because we were building something for ourselves and there's already lots of conferences we can go to and stuff like that. Um, but how else can people really get in touch with those people? You can, um, I mean, if they don't, if they have events, you can go to the events, like you just said. Um, but you you know, if it's a specific, if it's a niche that people are kind of like, either, you know, writing about or talking about a lot, like go to the places or read the things and like where they're actually, you know, where, where they're developing whatever the industry or, or, you know, whatever it is that you're going into. Um, to, I think like, I find like if I don't, if I don't know anything about, you know, a certain topic or a certain, um, you know, like a market, I like to figure out how to get into their headspace. Like, like think, you know, learn to think like they think, like, what are they, what are they thinking about? Um, what are they talking about? And I mean, usually you can find at least a few places where that's happening. No, I think that's right. I mean, like, uh, as we went into other language languages and frameworks, like when you wanted to get into Yeah, I Laravel, did this. I did that for Laravel. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like you went, went to the conferences, you read up on the community, like find out what yeah. they need and, and try to serve that need versus like, Hey, I know everything. Yeah. I'm just going to come in and I mean, do the same I made, thing I, I made before, friends right? in the Laravel community now that, you know, I talk to even just, yeah, like, you know, we're like Twitter friends and stuff now. And it's not just, it's not just about Laravel. It's, it's become about, you know, everything, you know, honey badger business and, and just knowing them. So yeah, I know. I understand how they think better now that I, I know who they are and I've been in their world. Yeah. It really bugs me when people have this notion that that business is not an interaction between people. Like it's just some, I don't know, anonymous interaction of money and goods and stuff like that. It's really mm -hmm. about the people, right? You make good connections with people and they respond to that. Like you make a friend in the Laravel community and you're not like being deceitful and like, oh, I'm just doing some market research. Like you're actually like interested in these yeah. people. You're interested in learning about their scene, right? And getting to know them. And, and, and that's how you build those connections. And that's how you find. Well, customers. and like, yeah, it's, it's a lot of them are there, for, you know, for the same reason too. So it's, yeah, you're meeting other people who are, yeah. you know, potentially even interested in where you're coming from just as much as you're interested in where they're coming from. And so. Like I can see how this might seem a little bit overwhelming to a lot of people, you know, especially if you're a typical engineer, like you, you focus on building things. Uh, you're not really 
focus that much on networking yeah. and sales and all that stuff. Like, I don't even, you know, it's not even really my cup of tea personally. Uh, but like, frankly, like if you can't go and make friends with somebody at a conference before you have a product that you're trying to sell them, it's going to be even harder later when you're trying to sell them something because then like in the first case, you're just interested in them. Uh, you're just trying to make a connection. In the second case, you're trying to get them to do something, which is always harder. Yeah, I think if you have no interest in uh, developing those kind of skills or talents or no interest in people, then uh, starting a business is not for mm-hmm. you, right? <laughs> uh, go work at a bank, uh, go work, you know, some big company, it doesn't matter. Because there are a lot of places you could work where it doesn't matter, right? You just yeah. do your work, you type in the keyboard all day long. But, uh, but yeah, if you're going to be going out there and trying to hustle, uh, yeah, you have to be able to talk to people and, and be interested in people and, and be interesting yeah. as well. I mean, yeah. I mean like those kind of skills are, are probably going to help you anywhere you go. You know, like, I mean, there are, there are the basement jobs, but. <laughs> well, there are, uh, I mean, there's some, there's some places where you can make money like online and stuff without having a huge, like oh, high yeah. touch type thing. Yeah. Like drop shipping. <laughs> yeah. Drop shipping. Uh, I don't know, man, like maybe you can make a, like WordPress plugins or something and sell them on a um, WordPress plugin site, or maybe you make apps and sell them in some sort of app store. Like there's lots of things that aren't really high touch um, or actually we're not even talking about high touch. We're talking about just that don't involve networking and stuff like that. But I think like if you want to sort of like reach the next level, then you're going to have to, uh, you've got to sort of step out of the, the office and, and sort of go and meet people and understand their needs and stuff like that. Yeah. For me, it's still just all, it all comes back to understanding the audience. And I, I just personally don't know how you do really do that um, without going in and getting like meeting them or, or yeah, spending a, a large amount of time, at least in the, in their world, wherever that is. Yeah. Well, and if you're doing a startup, if you're doing a small self-funded or, you know, very small funding kind of startup, uh, that's your advantage, right? Being able to get out there and connect with people. And that was a lot of what brought us the success of conferences in the early days, like we talked about in our, our previous episode, like just spending time connecting with people and letting them know that Honey Badger wasn't some amorphous blob of a company. It was three guys who were building a thing, right? And, and that resonated with people. Uh, they were interested in that and, and they rooted for our success uh, because they connected with mm-hmm. them. And that's, right. that's the advantage you have when you're, when you are the bootstrapped, you know, scrappy startup that like IBM doesn't have. Okay. So we've got one more, one more part to this question. Um, this was a doozy. Are there any channels that you felt resident? I had to start reading this because I felt you going in that direction, Ben. So I felt like I just really oh, needed to right. push this. Um, all right. So we didn't, so we didn't answer the question and then just be like, and there was another part. So are there any channels that you felt resonated well with the engineering audience? Maybe channels that did not work so well. Channels that are worth trying. What are your customers coming from now? What channels would you spend the majority of time on with each growth phase? So um, yeah, just keep on saying what you were saying, Ben. Conferences and just start right up. Press play. Well, we didn't, we didn't like, <laughs> we didn't really, we didn't start with conferences. Um, I don't think because we no. couldn't afford them. Uh, really, right? No. So yeah, we started with started word of mouth exclusively, yeah. right? Friends and family, Twitter. T- we did promoted tweets, right? That worked out pretty mm-hmm. well. Yeah, um, lots of blog posts. Lots of blog posts. Star was like cranking them out, and you know, all the time. And I guess after we got to the point where we were making enough money to travel to conferences on Honey Badger's dime, then we started going to conferences, mm-hmm. right? But uh, I think 
over like so the last I'm, I'm looking at that question like growth phase is really sticking out to me like what channel should we spend the majority of our time with each growth phase i know and, that's that's the part that just makes this questions like a, t a thousand times more complicated right yeah yeah because like word of mouth always works right or at least it has for us the whole time like people telling people about us has always been a great growth so i don't think we've ever outgrown that growth phase this, but you know maybe that Maybe the thing is we haven't accessed the growth phase. Well, this reminds that, right? me of the book. Like, um, you guys remember the book Traction that we read a while back? Um, yeah, I, yeah. I can't remember the author, but it's it's a popular marketing book. I think the I think the idea in that book was that there's these you know there's there's these channels that that work they work for a certain period of time and then they might not work. Some might not work. Some might work you know long term. Um, but the, the advice of the book was to pick one, of, you know, find, find the channel that's working now and then work that channel until it stops working. So it didn't really put them into specific phases of growth necessary. It's necessarily, it's like the channels kind of drive the phases of growth. And if you outgrow one, like it might not be the same time for everyone. So you kind of just use, you know, if, if it stops working, it's maybe time to move on and start trying all the other channels until you find one that is actually like getting you growth again. And it's kind of just this like never ending process of, you know, trying something until it works and then working that until it doesn't. And then, you know, doing it over again. I may not be remembering this correctly, but I, I thought that in that traction book, which was fantastic, uh, it talked about like also the notion of like, trying channels that you enjoy like uh if if you if you don't like the idea of billboard advertising don't don't try that channel right it's okay to not try all the mm -hmm. channels that you have available to you i would totally recommend someone who is just starting out and like has no idea grab that traction book because it breaks it down i think it's 19 yeah, different it categories and and uh yeah you can definitely like pick and choose from a list and just say hey, i think i would like mm -hmm. to try that or i think i can do that and that versus i can't do this other thing because it takes a lot of money uh and, and then go yeah yeah i think for us um it's it really has been content marketing uh long term and obviously word of mouth um but content marketing is something i think that we're still growing and that we i don't see the end in sight for that so I, yeah, I guess that's good news for us. It's we've got we've got room to grow there. Yeah. So I'm going to say um, for that other part of the question, like what hasn't worked, I'm going to say that. And correct me if I'm wrong. I'm going to say like, except for Ruby Weekly, um, I'm going to say like advertising hasn't really done a ton for us. Do you think that's true? Yeah, we've we've tried some some direct yeah. advertising, and that just hasn't really shown much. I'm not sure. I'm not sure we're we're very good at it just to clarify um yeah, it's definitely not our yeah. uh you know I'm, i think um we might you know i see us trying a little bit more now that we have uh ben findley um on our side who you know our marketing director who is more I, that's more his um i think skill set so we might circle back on that on that and see if we can make it work again but yeah i never i don't think we actually tried it you know to the extent where we could say that it didn't you know, it really didn't work. But even so, it may be difficult to um, ever know if it would work just because, you know, exception monitoring isn't something that people impulse buy yeah. when they're browsing Facebook, right? They they see it, then maybe six months later when they need it, they think of the people that they've seen before and maybe, maybe you're in that list now. Uh, but that's pretty yeah. much impossible to to track. So I don't know. 
you, you brought up an interesting point. Like we have avoided like Facebook yeah. ads, right? Because people just, like you say, they're not looking to impulse buy uh, an exception tracking system when they're browsing their Facebook feed, right? Just not a good, not a good fit for what yeah, we're Yeah, but I mean, like that's, that doesn't work for anyone really. Well, I mean, I guess it does work for some like, like direct maybe products or, you know, impulse buy type things. But a lot of the people that I've heard talk about those types of ads, like social ads, basically, is that like you like you need to have more complex funnels, like where you're you're advertising like some sort of content or like I said, like info info product or some kind of content thing, even just a like a free blog post. But then you know you click through the blog post, and then there's some sort of you know additional call to action or something that moves them along in the direction that you want them to go. Um, just because like people reading Facebook just aren't interested. They're not looking to buy something right now. They're looking to like consume content. So give them what they want. And then, yeah, I think we've just been too lazy to like set up those kind of com- complex uh, funnels. And uh, I, it's, it feels to me like that our, our content, like our, most of our efforts have like, I guess in advertising and the things that we've done have also been, still centered around word of mouth because it's not necessarily like we have this grand like flow chart of like things people have to do to like buy. We've never, we haven't been very like scientific with it. Um, but it's very, it's been very much about like showing up and like, you know, trying to like interact with people and like get some sort of reaction or make some sort of impression and get them to like us. And then hopefully I think we just hope that they, you know, like us enough to try us or to, you know, tell someone else about us. And so I have to take, uh, I have to take issue with this idea that people don't buy anything from, uh, yeah, well, I didn't uh, just, Just I didn't say they don't to clarify. I said, they don't, I said, they don't buy SaaS. I said, they don't buy developer software as a service developer tools. They, yeah. What did you buy from (laughs) Facebook star? (laughs) There it is. (laughs) I I didn't buy anything from Facebook, but at a conference, maybe four years ago, five years ago, um, I talked to a guy who worked for uh, Teespring. I think it's Teespring. They do, uh, they have like an API where you can um, design t-shirts, one-off, have them mailed out. Um, And this guy was telling me how people were making like millions of dollars by doing, uh, by doing like Facebook ads where it's like, they're advertising like a custom t-shirt with, I'm sure you've seen these ads where it's like, um, uh, nobody loves wine like yeah. Joanna because it, you know, matches. So it's on like long tail, like or, long tail, highly targeted long tail type stuff. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So like, um, <laughs> uh, 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 nobody is as beautiful as 37 yeah. year olds, you know, that sort of thing. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. And, or like their college or something, you know, you could like target like campuses or something, people, alumni of, of colleges and stuff. Yeah. So, but yeah, yeah. I'm sure that's, well, those are like, I mean, that's like impulse by like, I think that stuff. Yeah. That stuff is probably the, the better, like that's the sweet spot for social, (laughs) social advertising. Yeah. Yeah. Like Like, yeah, $15 one time purchase is a different story than an ongoing recurring revenue kind of See, So I think that is the sort of thing that people imagine is like this ultimate sort of, you never have to talk to a person type of online business. And I have to say that that's always that sort of thing has always kind of fascinated me and appealed to me. But then also at the same time, I'm like, oh, this is really yucky. I I don't really want to yeah. do this. It's like this this is what this is my mark I want to make on the world. Well, no, we hate you. Facebook. Just to throw that out there, like I don't have a Facebook yes, account, yes, and yeah. I haven't since t- 2014. 
I don't think and, any of us have yeah, Facebook accounts. Um, no, and we're, yeah, I think we're, we're semi like ethically opposed to using Facebook for advertising. So at least I'm, I am. So yeah, um, that's another reason we haven't done well, Facebook. I'm, I'm just going to double down on my, my belief about you do the, the marketing channels that you yeah. like, right? Just, just do the things that you enjoy. Like if you don't like talking to people, find another way, you know, maybe hire someone to talk to them. I don't know, but um, like we don't like Facebook, so we're not going to advertise yeah. there, period, the end. That was very definite. Ah, yes. Putting the, putting the law down. Never, never seen, never been. But I think you, you, <laughs> you have bought or sold something to Facebook starts. You've sold your attention and your, your data. You know, there's, there's always an exchange with, with using Facebook. Oh man, what a mercenary world view, Josh. How do you sleep at night? <laughs> well, I think we've put this question in the ground. I think we've done a great job. So we nailed it. Thank you, Tony. Thank you mm -hmm. for yeah, asking. You know what, Tony? You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> we should send him a shirt. I will I will email him and tell him that we're gonna do this episode and he gets a free shirt from Honey Badger. Nice. Awesome. You know what that yes. shirt is? You know what that shirt has been? Uh, that shirt is value. <laughs> value. <laughs> Just giving it I away. Thought this, I thought the shirt was going to say something like "You rock, Tony." You know, like like the the shirts on Facebook that you were talking about. Oh, yeah, we got to do that. It's like it says, it says "Honey Badger" because it's also word oh, of mouth. Yeah, yeah. Nobody uh, asks great uh, questions like oh, <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, yeah. I guess we, got, we have to get Kyle to make us a a founder question. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, I bet people would would actually. Um, I was going to say people would actually wear those, but that's pretty shady. Like people wear, wear all of our shirts. Oh, they, people love our shirts. Yeah. Um, Just on the random. This is the part where we invite people, please send in your questions to founder quest. questions. To founder <laughs> we should work in like asking people to rate us at some point. Oh yeah. Because yeah. I did that on Twitter and it got us like another five ratings. Yeah. And I should um, give our Twitter login information for the founder quest Twitter account to Ben Finley. Because right now mm -hmm. it's just getting automated um, sort of updates, and I'm sure there's no subscribers because we haven't even promoted it. There's uh, Transistor FM as estimates there's 150. Oh, you mean of the Twitter account? Yeah, yeah. There's no subscribers. Yeah, there's like 13 account. subscribers or something. Oh, there are. Wow. There are. Yeah. There's, there's a few. Lots. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> no, we have a we've got a couple of fans Russian out there, trolls. and and Transistor says there's like 100 estimates 150 subscribers to the podcast. That's pretty good. So, well, thank all y'all. Yeah. Thank y'all. Yeah. Thanks, guys. You're awesome. Uh, yeah. So please rate us and tell your friends and stuff. So um, I, I guess we've answered this question. So should we head out? Should we sign out? We should. Okay. Um, let's see. What should be a good? What's a good tagline? <laughs> Some like, like you know, like a sign off. You like mean or? like keep on marketing? You know, keep on. <laughs> <laughs> Keep a keep. Yeah, I don't know. Keep on badgering. Yeah, th this has been the Badger guys. And just remember, keep on trucking. <laughs> I think that's good. I think that's a wrap. Is that it? Uh, that's, yeah, nailed it. Nailed All right. It. We'll talk to y'all later, boys. All right. ThunderQuest is a uh, weekly podcast by the founders of Honey Badger. Zero instrumentation, 360-degree coverage of errors, outages, and service degradations for your web apps. If you have a web app, you need it. Available at honeybadger.io. Want more from the founders? Go to founderquestpodcast.com. That's one word. You can access our huge back catalog or sign up for our newsletter to get exclusive VIP content. FounderQuest is available on iTunes, Spotify, and other purveyors of fine podcasts. We'll see you next week. <laughs>